Blog Talk Radio. Let's turn to number 463 and stand together. 463, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. Let's stand together and sing. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, as the morning breaks eternal bright and fair, when the saved of earth shall gather over on the other as the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, 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 I'll be there. On that bright and clouded morning, when the dead in Christ shall rise, and the glory of his resurrection is When his chosen ones shall gather to their home beyond the sky, and the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called yonder, I'll be there. Let us labor for the master from the dawn to let it come. Let us talk of all his wondrous love and care. And when all of life is over and our work on earth is done, and the roll is called yonder, I'll be there. When the roll is called yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, when the roll is called up yonder, I'll be there. All right. She's going to turn number 23 in play. I want you to turn around and shake hands with somebody from you. Glad they come to church this morning. Yeah, y'all keep standing. <laughs> I get tangled up every now and then. 
We're going to take up this morning's offer here in just a second, but prayer request time. Amen. Do you have prayer requests? First thing before we do anything, I just want to praise God that our Supreme Court struck down a horrible, atrocious Roe versus Wade and sent it back to the states. Amen. Whereby most of the states down in the south, anyway, got sense and are going to, going to outlaw it altogether. Amen. So the baby killing, I want you to think about something. That is so make the devil mad. You know why it makes the devil mad? Because the devil is all, Luciferianism is all about drinking blood and, 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 abort, and, and child sacrifice. And believe you me, there are babies that are aborted, that are kept alive and taken for other things, and their body parts, all that has been done for forever and ever. And thank God it stopped. At least I know it didn't stop it everywhere. You, you in California, they they put in an express lane for people to go. But you know what? At least God's judgment is on those states that choose it. And His judgment, I pray to God, if we repent of this, God will forgive us and give us some some of His favor again. I hope and pray. I hope and pray that that our Supreme Court continues on this role, and, and we need to be in prayer that they do. Amen. They're talking about getting things straightened out all over the place, and I hope and pray, amen, after these midterm elections, hopefully things can be changed back for the better, and that ought to be our prayer. But if it doesn't happen, we're still going to serve God anyway. Amen? That's right. Praise God. All right. Other things? Anybody? Charlotte? All right. We're praying for you, sister. Yes, Miss Erica. Okay. Right. Right. We're praying for her sister. Absolutely. I do want to praise God this morning. I can tell you just a second, brother. My, my brother, who's been in ICU, I just a minute ago before we started, I, I got I looked at my phone and got word that that he's come off the vent and, uh, and he's and he's breathing on his own and doing great. And, and he said he said he ain't want no more beer. He's done with it. I, I pray to God he's right. Amen. I hope he's telling the truth, and this is for real. Y'all pray for him. He's got a long road of recovery, and, uh, and it's going to take lots of prayer. So please lift him up. Somebody else. Door somewhere, just gotta gotta find it. 
Somebody else? Anybody? Look at you, man. All right. Praise God. Y'all pray for Donnie. Donnie moving up in the world. Pray for him. He needs help along the way. All right. Anything else? Anybody else? Listen, we're going to have a good day in the Lord. God, God, give me something here. We're going to, it'll be what it'll be. After we get done, we're going to get back in the back. We're going to cook hamburgers, cheeseburgers, whatever you want. And, uh, and we're going to have watermelon and ice cream and homemade ice cream. I don't know what, I don't know what else we got. We're, Banana pudding. We're going to enjoy ourselves and just, listen, it ain't 4th of July yet, but this is close, and we're going to get to celebrate in here probably, so we're going, to, we're going to kind of do that a little bit early. I'm thankful today to, to still live in a free country. I'm thankful today, even though government's messed up, I'm thankful to God there are people in this country that still remember how it's supposed to be, and, uh, and we still live in that way, even though the world's turned upside down, and we just need to keep living that way and keep trusting God and keep walking in what we know to be right. Amen. All right, well, let's, let's, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Let's ask God to meet with us and, and bless our nation. Amen. Robert, please in prayer. Yes, Lord. Amen. You can be seated. Number 78, number 78, when we all get to heaven, amen? You got to go through the blood or you're not going to get there, but amen, if you went through it, praise God, we're all going. Sing the wondrous love of Jesus, sing his mercy and his grace. In the mansion, pride and blessed, he'll prepare for us a place. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing there will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. While we walk the pilgrim pathway, clouds will overspread the sky. But when traveling days are over, not a shadow, not a sigh. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. Let us then be true and faithful, trusting servants every day. Just one glance of Him in glory will the toil of life repay. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, 
Shall we gather at the river? 
this morning, thank God for the Apostle Paul, as I have said a number of times, if it were not for the faithfulness of the Apostle Paul, you or I might not be saved, because Paul was the God, the, the appointed apostle of God to the Gentile people, everybody who's not Jewish, and I realize that's most of us in here this morning, and I thank God that Paul was sent to the Gentile nations of the world, and I want to tell you this morning... I don't know if y'all ever seen, um, there's a video that I watched a while back. Um, you may say, why are you talking about this? But I, I, there's a video I watched where a, a guy goes to read the cereal box, and he's looking down through there, and he's looking at all the ingredients in the cereal, and he notices iron. So he takes the cereal box, and he takes the bag, and he crushes the cereal, pulverizes it, and he mixes it with water and makes a slurry, and then he takes a magnet, and he tries to get all the iron out of the bag of cereal and get it all up in a little bit, and he isolates a little bit, tiny speck of iron. And the, well, that's kind of like this morning's message. The entire chapter is a historical account, and there's a Paul, Paul's words in this are about this big, just tiny, tiny, tiny. So I, I go to reading through this, and like we're going to have to strain something out of here. But God gave me something this morning, and I'm praise God for that. So we're going to we're going to go ahead and pray, and then we're going to read the chapter. We're going to go back and talk about just a little any piece of the, of the chapter. So let's let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father in heaven, Lord, I love you so much. And thank the Lord that 
Lord, you always give me something. Lord, you always give me something to preach. Lord, I'm never, I'm never at a loss. I'm, I'm thankful, Father, that you're faithful. And I'm thankful, Father, that not only are you faithful, but you're on time. And you give us exactly what we need. And, Father, I pray, Lord, in this, in this hour that we're living, this day and time, this moment here in, in, in this life that we have, Father, I pray that you'll speak to our hearts. Holy Ghost of God, speak to us. Lord, we're living amongst the, amongst the people that are dying and going to hell. We're living amongst the people that have, that have very little knowledge of Jesus Christ. We're living in a world that's sick in sin and is doing everything that's right in its own eyes. The Lord has no sense of right and wrong, has no sense of justice, has no sense of righteousness. God, we have got, we have got to, to take up the mantle of being your preachers, of your, your missionaries, your evangelists. Lord, we've got to take up the mantle of being ambassadors for Christ. Father God, help us to see this morning in the Apostle Paul what a man looks like when he's filled with the Holy Ghost of God, when the Holy Ghost of God is controlling that life. I pray, Father, you'll help us to see that, that we ourselves, us believers here today in 2022, need the power of the Holy Ghost if we're ever going to do anything, achieve anything for heaven's glory. We must have the power of the Holy Ghost in our life. Father God, help me to preach this morning. Put your power on me. I need your unction this morning. I beg and I plead for that power, Lord God. We need a fresh touch from heaven. Give us a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost this morning. Lord God, forgive our sins. Cleanse us of all the sin in our life, Father. Make us vessels ready to spit to receive your message. And we'll give you all the praise, all the glory for it. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. All right, let's begin there in verse 1 and read down. So if you remember, verse 27, the last chapter is key to this. Let's look there in 27, the last verse. The Bible says that after two years, Portius Festus came into Felix's room, and Felix, willing to show the Jews a pleasure, left Paul bound. I realize you just walked in here. You don't know what in the world I'm talking about. Portius Festus came into Felix's room. That sounds like walking down the hall and walking in the next room. That's not what that means. Portius Festus was the new governor. He was the new judge. He was the new man in charge of the Roman government. They're presiding in Caesarea and thus dealing with the Jews. He was the new guy. He was the newly elected man, and he came in. And Festus, uh, Festus came in, and Felix told him, said, listen, I've got this prisoner in here named Paul, and he's got an issue with the Jews, and you may want to deal with that and get all that straightened out. All right, so now when Festus came into the province, after three days, he jumped right on this. I want you to see that. He took the office, immediately jumped on this issue. After three days, he ascended from Caesarea to Jerusalem. So he goes up to Jerusalem. And, and then the high priest and the chief of the Jews informed him against Paul and besought him and desired favor against him that he would send for him to Jerusalem lying in wait in the way, lying wait in the way to kill him. So he's, the high priest said, oh, please, Portius Festus, please do us a favor. Please send Paul back down here. Festus, Felix wouldn't let us tend to him. He, would, he made us come down there and try to do it all that way. But this, listen, this is our matter. Please send him back up here to us where we can take care of this, please. Because they want to kill him. As soon as he got out, out outside, outside close to Jerusalem, they going I dare say, I dare say those 40 men, I've said over and over, they're all dead. I don't know they're all dead. They could have got out of there by, I suppose. 
I, I dare say, if they, even if they didn't get out of their vow and they died in that vow, I guarantee you there were some kinfolks of theirs that was mad and said, you know what, I'm going to avenge this. We're going to kill Paul. There was somebody ready to kill him. All right? But Festus answered that Paul should be kept at Caesarea and that he himself would depart shortly thither. See, I think, I think Festus knew. I think, I think Festus had been informed and he'd heard of this plot he must have because he handled it this way. Because if he'd been wanting to show them favor, he would have sent him right on up there. Let them, therefore, said he, which are among which among you are able, go down with me and accuse this man if there be any wickedness in him. And when he had tarried among them more than ten days, so he stayed there in Jerusalem ten days, he went down to Caesarea, and the next day, sitting on the judgment seat, commanded Paul to be brought. And when he was come, the Jews which came down from Jerusalem stood round about and, and laid many and grievous complaints against Paul, which they could not prove. Again, the whole, all the issues they had brought before, that he was a worker of sedition, that he had been stirring up people everywhere, that he, was, that he spoke against the temple, and that he tried to bring Jews into the temple. All those complaints that they couldn't prove before, they tried to bring them all again. Verse 8, while he answered for himself, neither against the law of the Jews, neither against the temple, nor yet against Caesar have I offended anything at all. Paul said, I haven't done a thing. But Festus, now this is one of the things that Paul said in, the, in this whole chapter. I didn't do anything. But Festus, willing to do the Jews a pleasure, answered Paul and said, Wilt thou go up to Jerusalem and there be judged of these things before me? Then said Paul, I stand at Caesar's judgment seat, where I ought to be judged. To the Jews have I done no wrong, as thou very well knowest. For if I be an offender, or have committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things, whereof they, these accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them, I appeal unto Caesar. Now I'm going to point out one thing right there before we come back to this. This will be where we come back. But I want you to see something. I see here that Paul was for the death penalty. You see that? You see that? That's part of the problem in America. We waste so much money on people who shouldn't be put to death. Somebody, if somebody kills somebody in cold blood and it's proven that they killed them in cold blood, let's just take them out and do it right then and get it over with. Amen? Because they're guilty, and the Bible says an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, and we'll follow that. And just think of it. Costs, it costs, usually they spend somewhere in the neighborhood about $200,000 a year on on person waiting to die. That's money that, that ought to go to people who need help instead of somebody who's condemned to die. But nevertheless, I say that Paul's for the death penalty. Paul's for justice. Paul's for right. He said, I refuse not to die. There be none of these things whereof they accuse me. No man may deliver me unto them. I appeal unto Caesar. Again, I think I see this just as a, a as a, something to add to the story, but but let's remember, Paul was the apostle to the who? Okay. And he went down to Jerusalem where he did not belong. And yet, now he's saying, I appeal to Caesar. I'm going back to the Gentiles where I belong. Amen. Uh, there's a reason. There's a reason that, too. Again, the Jews wanted him dead. And the Jews would have violated their own law to kill him. And, there, and at that time, Rome was a friend of the Christians. Because at that time, uh, Nero had not gone crazy and started killing Christians. At that time... Uh, Rome was a was a civilization uh, with with laws and, and judges and justice and and right and and 
and, and rights and freedoms. And, and because of that, Paul said, hey, I want them to judge me, not these Jews. And Paul was a, was a Roman by birth. Okay, let's keep going. Verse 12. Then Festus, when he had conferred under the council, he answered, Hast thou appealed unto Caesar? Unto Caesar thou shalt go. Shalt thou go. And after certain days, King Agrippa and Bernice, his wife, came to, unto Caesarea to salute Festus. They came down to tell him, glad you got elected and, and just want to welcome you to the, to the office. And when they had been there many days, Festus declared Paul's cause unto the king, saying, there is a certain man left in bonds by Felix, about whom, when I was at Jerusalem, the chief priests and the elders of the Jews informed me, desiring to have judgment against him, to whom I answered, is not the manner of the Romans to deliver any man to die. Before, before that, he which is accused have the accusers face to face and have license to answer for himself concerning the crime laid against him. So he ought to be able to speak for himself against his accusers. Therefore, when they were come hither, without any delay on the morrow, I sat on the judgment seat and commanded the man to be brought forth, against whom, when the accusers stood up, they brought none accusation of such things as I suppose. He's giving this account. But I but had certain questions against him of their own superstition and of one Jesus, which was dead, whom Paul affirmed to be alive. And because I doubted of such manner of questions, I asked him whether he would go to Jerusalem and there be judged of these matters. And when Paul had appealed to be reserved under the hearing of Augustus, or when he said he wanted to go see Caesar, I commanded him to be kept until I might send him to Caesar. Then Agrippa said unto Festus, I would also hear the man myself. Tomorrow, said he, thou shalt hear him. And on the morrow when Agrippa was come, and Bernice with great pomp was entered into the place of hearing with the chief captains, principal men of the city at Festus' command, Paul was brought forth. And Festus said, King Agrippa and all men which are here present with us, ye see this man about whom all the multitude of the Jews have dealt with me, both at Jerusalem and also here, crying that he ought not to live any longer. But when I found that he had committed nothing worthy of death, and that he himself had appealed to Augustus, I determined to send him, of whom I have no certain thing to write unto my Lord, whereof I have brought him forth before you, and especially before thee, O King Agrippa, that after examination I might have somewhat to write. For it seemeth me unreasonable to send a prisoner, and not withal to signify the crimes laid against him. As the Lord has a blessing of the reading of his word. Again, this is a historical account. There's not doctrine here. There's not much of it. But you know what? And I sat there and scratched my head and scratched my head. And I said, Lord, what am I going to do? What am I going to do with this chapter? And God showed me something. I want you to look back at verse 11. This may not be long. We might be done here in a few minutes. But to God be the glory. Verse 11. I read back here in verse 11 where Paul answered. And he said, For if I be an offender, have committed, committed anything worthy of death, I refuse not to die. But if there be none of these things whereof they accuse me, no man may deliver me unto them, I appeal unto Caesar. I just want to focus on those five words there. I refuse not to die. I refuse not to die. Now, why? And I understand what Paul's saying there. And I don't want you to think I'm just trying to take this out of context. But I, I believe I can take this and build something upon this. Paul, for a long time now, has not had a problem with dying. You know that. And I want to go back and look at that for just a second because I want you, I want you to see what, what God showed me in this. Uh, 
back in Acts chapter 14, if you'll turn there with me. Acts chapter 14, verse 19 and 20. Paul and Barnabas had come to the city of Lystra. And the Bible, and when they got to the city of Lystra, as most of you are here remember this, uh, they began to preach. And some of the people in the city, uh, they began to think that Paul and Barnabas were, were Jupiter and Mercury. They thought they were gods, and they began to, to uh, worship them and, 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 and fall down before them. And Paul, of course, said, don't do this. Listen, don't, don't do this. We're not, we're not gods. We're men just like you. And, and, and they went and called for their, their priest to come out, and he, began, he was going to do sacrifices and things. And, and when Paul and Barnabas had lifted up their voice, Paul began to, 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 to uh, try to stop them from doing this. There were, if you notice here in verse, in verse 18 and 19, again, Paul is, is trying his best to get their attention and saying, don't do these things. And, when, and with these sayings, scarce restrained they the people. Didn't do a thing to stop them. That they had not done sacrifice unto them. And there came thither certain Jews from Antioch and Iconium, who persuaded the people, and having stoned Paul, drew him out of the city, supposing he had been dead. Again, when, 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 when this took place, these very people, who you remember just a few centuries ago when Paul was in the temple praying, he had his head shaved, he took a bath, and there was another guy that took a bath, and they're quietly praying, and somebody recognized him. That was some of these... These same, not only was the same people, but it's the same crowd who had who had run in, who had came into Iconium and convinced these pagans to pick up stones and to stone Paul. And Paul, they stoned him. He said, "What does that mean? That means they took great big rocks. I'm talking about a hand size big as your hand, and they picked them up and began throwing them with all their might and hitting him in the head. And when a big rock hits you in the head, it'll cut you wide open." When a big rock hits you in the head, it'll break a bone. And you've got a whole group of people that are just pelting him with big rocks. And, 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 and it's, it, is, it beats him to the ground. He's a bloody pork. All right, let's turn to 2 Corinthians 12. And let's read about it. 2 Corinthians 12. I'll give you just a second to find that. All these other passages that I'm going to read to you this morning, all of them are recorded before the event that we're reading in Acts. I want you to understand that all these things are said or done before what we're reading in Acts 25 this morning. But in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, Paul makes this statement, 2 through 5. He says, I knew a man in Christ about 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Now, first of all, you go back 14 years from where Paul's talking right here, you find him in Lystra. Paul, I believe with all my heart, is speaking about that event where he was stoned in Lystra. He said, I knew a man. He's not calling it himself. He's just saying, he's just saying I, I, this happened. I knew a man in Christ about above 14 years, a little over 14 years ago, 
Whether he was in the body, I cannot tell. I don't know if he was alive or he was dead. I can't tell you if this happened while I was still, my spirit was still in my body, or I can't tell if it happened somehow with my spirit out of my body. I don't really know, he said, and I guess it's logical that he didn't know if he was laying there bloody and, and half dead on the side of the road. He said, such a one caught up to the third heaven. I, I see some things there. First of all, he went up. Up. Didn't say he went down, didn't say he went sideways or running around. He went up. He was caught up. That's the same word where you get the rapture from. Caught up. Amen. He was caught up to the third heaven. Some people don't understand that. There's three heavens, okay? Let me explain it to you. The first heaven, that's when you walk outside and you look up and you see the birds flying around and you see clouds floating around. That's the first heaven. And then the Bible tells us in Genesis of creation, the second heaven is a firmament. He spread out a firmament, and in that firmament he creates stars and, and the moon and the sun. The Bible tells us that. God created the heavenly bodies we see at night within the firmament. That's what his word says. That doesn't line up with science, but you know what? Science doesn't line up with the Bible. It hadn't been a long time. But that's the second heaven. And God, God describes it in his word, and I believe his word over any science, because science is science. And, and, and so you've got, that's the second heaven. Well, in Ezekiel chapter 38, Ezekiel saw a vision, and he saw this vision, and he saw that second heaven, and he saw right above it the throne of God. That's the third heaven. See, God's not so far off that we can't imagine how far off he is. By the way, let me say this. I'm just going to throw this in there. God's creation is not still expanding. I don't care what scientists say, because God God rested on the seventh. He rested on the sixth day. Okay? I mean, on seventh day, he ended his. I'm sorry, I got to tell you. He ended his creation on the sixth day. He rested on the seventh day. So if when God said it was good, it was done, it was finished. It's not new stars being born and the universe still expanding. That's lies, they tell you. Amen. He that or God's a liar. One of the two. Amen. So. Like I said, he was caught up to the third heaven, which means he went above the stars and, 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 and the moon and the sun. He went above the third, uh, the second heaven. Amen. He went to where the throne of God was. And he said, And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I can't tell. God knoweth. How that he was caught up into paradise. You say, where is paradise? I thought that was in the center of the earth. Paradise where God is. Amen. He was caught up into paradise. And heard, and by the way, when Christ when Christ died, he took captivity captive, and he led, he led all those souls that were in paradise, which was in the center of the earth, out and took them into glory with himself. When he, when he ascended, he took captivity captive. He was caught up into paradise, and he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Now, Paul... You can say, well, he don't know what he's talking about because he don't know. Well, he don't know how it happened. He can't tell you the particulars of how he was transported, okay? But he knows this. I was in the presence of God, and I heard things said to me that I couldn't come back and talk about. And that doesn't mean there were bad things. That just means there were things that, that this world is not supposed to know. Because it wasn't written in the Word of God, and God didn't want us to know that down here. So he didn't give it to us, so Paul couldn't come back and give us extra biblical stuff. 
That's all that means. But I want you to understand that this man, who's just like me and you, walked from a pair of two legs, just like me and you, was in heaven, and he saw the throne of God. I mean, he saw God. He heard God's voice. I don't know if he saw it, but he heard God's voice. He heard things spoken to him that nobody down here can hear. Now, that makes an impact. Amen. Listen, that changes a man. He ain't the same anymore. Amen. All right, let's, let's, let's turn over to the Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1. Philippians chapter 1 and... Verse 23. Paul said, I'm in a strait betwixt two having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to abide in the flesh is more needful for you. Paul said, I want to go to heaven. I really want to go. I really, I, I, I'm kind of in a bind here because, you know, on one hand, you know, I know you need me here, but on the other hand, I would just soon die and get off this planet and get, get to God. I want, I want to be with him. I've already been there. I know it's waiting. I know. Amen. I believe with all my heart that's why he got up from the side of the room and marched back into Lisbon. That's my that's my take on it. He's like, kill me again. I want to go. Don't keep me down here. I want to go. You say what? What is this all leading up to? I, I tell you what it's all leading up to. We need to we need to come to the point in our Christian life where we quit loving this world so much. Love in this world will not help you. The Bible, matter of fact, says, Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. I just can't, I think this morning of all the missionaries who have gone out in the world and, and gave their lives to the cause of Christ, who weren't afraid to die, who counted it a joy to die for Christ. I think to myself of, of the missionary Jim Elliott, who, uh, who went to the Aka Indians, and uh, was killed trying to reach the Aka Indians. And one of his one of his journal entries before he died says this: It says he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I want you to think about that. He is no fool who gives that what he what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. What Jesus Amen. Listen, that, that's the one who gains a reward in heaven is the one who loses his life for Christ and the Gospels. Galatians 2.20, I want to read that to you. I know you probably know what it says. I'm going I'm to read that verse to you. Galatians 2.20. Again, another another letter that Paul wrote prior to, his, to Acts chapter 25. Paul makes this statement. I want you to listen carefully. He said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. When Christ says, I do not refuse to die. I do not refuse to die. Listen, if I'm guilty of something, kill me. Amen? And again, he's not asking to die. He's not trying to die here. He's just simply saying, listen, 
if, if, if you find me guilty of something, go ahead and kill me. It's okay. When they, when they called him, I can tell you the day from his, from his prison cell, when they called for him to go to the executioner's block to have the, uh, the lifter raise his sword and chop Paul's head from his neck and release him off into eternity, he did not hesitate. History tells us that he literally ran to the place of execution to get it over with. They said he ran, laid his head down, and said, do it. He was ready to go. Paul said, I'm ready to be offered. There was no hesitancy on him. Why? Because Paul had already died. Paul was already dead. He was a, you, you could say Paul was a dead man walking. He didn't have any more left in his life. He didn't want to be in this world anymore. It wasn't that he was suicidal. He was just homesick to heaven. He was just not ready to go and be with his Lord. And I look at this world today, and I see people who are living for this world, and I think to myself, how can you call yourself a Christian? Uh, you may be saved, but how can you call yourself a Christian? How can you say you're a Christian before this world if you long for the things of this world and don't want the things of God? I'm going to share one thought with you, and then we're going to, we're going to call it a day. I, I don't know how many of you in here this morning know the name of, of Leonard Dober, or Dober. I don't know how you pronounce it. Anybody in here have heard that name? Leonard Dober, David Nitchman, either one? Anybody? It's amazing that we don't know their names. <sighs> Have you ever heard of the Moravian missionaries? Okay, that's who these, these, these men were. This was, this was in, in uh, I want to say they were in Holland, but these were, these were two men who got under the ministry of a man who was terribly burdened about missions. Matter of fact, they say this very well may have been the birthplace of modern missions. But I want to read to you the story of Leonard Dauber and, and David Nitchman, and then we'll, we'll be done. Uh, a preacher from the past named Paris Reedhead preached a message called Two Shekels and a Shirt, and in that message he, he tells the story of these Moravian missionaries. Um, it says, to all the heroes of the faith throughout the ages in the history of the Moravian church who kept the simple faith in Jesus Christ by sacrificing their lives and staying true to his calling in the word, I mean in the world. Amongst these heroes are the names of two missionaries who embodied the Moravian impulses of transformation through evangelism. The two were Leonard Dober and David Nitchman. As a vibrant missionary, Dober was the first to be informed on July 29th, July 1732, that there are Negro slaves on a far island called St. Thomas in the West Indies. Paris Reedhead provides an account of what the owner of the slaves, a British atheist, said concerning Christian occupation on his island. He said, no preacher, no clergyman will ever stay on this island. If he's shipwrecked, we'll keep him in a separate house until he has to leave. But he's never going to talk to any of us about God. I'm through with all that nonsense. 3,000 slaves from Africa were deported to an island in the Atlantic with the possibility of never hearing the gospel of Christ. The leader of, of, of Dober's mission, missionary effort responded to that news by saying there are among these brethren's messengers that will go forth to the heathen in St. Thomas. As a response, Dober was strengthened in his resolve to volunteer for the mission service. 
Nichman was the only one of these two who left a wife and a child behind. From the day that they were to leave, it said that, it said that everybody up until that point told them, you're making a foolish choice to go down there. You'll never come back. You'll, you'll throw your life away. Don't, don't, don't do it. Don't do it. And, and again, every church they went to on their way to, to leaving were telling them that, except for one lady in a church who encouraged them to go. It said that as they were leaving, David Nitzman's wife and child were standing at the dock pleading with them, please, don't, pleading with him, please don't leave us, please don't leave us. The Bible said that upon their departure by ship, their families, especially that of Nitzman, was very emotional. According, according to Paris Reed, as the ship slipped away with the tide and the gap and the gap widened between them, the young men linked arms, raised their hands, and shouted across the spreading gap, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. Now let me tell you, Dover was a carpenter and Nitchman was a potter. Again, the atheist owner of the slaves said that nobody's going to come here and try to reach these people. Understand that when Dover and Nitchman left on that ship, they had sold themselves into slavery. That was the only way they could reach those Negro slaves, was to make themselves slaves without ever having the possibility of returning. And they literally sold their lives into slavery to be able to witness and minister to 3,000 Negro slaves in the West Indies. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. Paul said, I do not refuse to die. Can I say to you this morning that if we're going to really serve Christ, we need to let the part of us that loves this world and, 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 and adores this world die. We need to take that part of us and bring that to an old-fashioned world and lay that down before God and say, God, this is the vile, cursed thing that keeps me from serving you. I ask you this morning to examine yourself and look at your own life. What's keeping you from going to people around you that need Jesus? What's keeping you from opening your mouth, which you open so often to tell people things that mean so less? What's keeping you from sharing Jesus with people? What's keeping you from loving people for Christ's sake? What's keeping you from, I mean, again, all we have to do, some of us, is go across the street, reach across the gas pump, reach across the grocery store aisle. We need not sell ourselves into slavery in order just to reach people. You and I live in a free society. What's it going to take for you and I to lay ourselves on God's altar and say, I do not refuse to die? No, as Paul said, listen, I die daily. He said, I'm crucified with Christ. And I'm going to close on that thought. I'm crucified with Christ. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, he was dying for me. So yes, it was just as if I was nailed to that cross. And you can count me dead. Amen. I am dead. I died with Christ. I, the old Paul, the dead, the, the old Saul of Tarsus that was lost in sin, that Saul is dead and nailed to that cross. He's no longer here anymore. And the Paul which you see now, the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not me doing
only right and only proper that us as believers should return the favor and give our life for him. Let's stand together. Thank you. 